Gretov, good morning, everyone. Welcome to a brand new week, a brand new Aliyah. Welcome to the Aliyah day. I am glad you are here. In case you are new and just joining us and signing on and checking us out, I am Rabbi Mordecai Griffin, the Rabbi of Sarshalom Synagogue, also the founder of Lapid Judaism and the Rebbe of Lapid Judaism, and I am glad you are here. This is the Aliyah day in which we explore the weekly parasha, Aliyah by Aliyah, to bring down insights, illuminations, revelations, um, to see what Hashem would teach us, what we can learn, what we can glean, how we can better understand His way. And by the way, there is never an end to the learning. Never an end to the learning. You know, uh, we've been going through the uh, the book of Genesis on Shabbat. That is our our study this year for the Sabbath drashes, um, drashot, and uh, it just amazes me how we can go chapter by chapter, week by week, and I feel like I'm barely even commenting, scratching the surface. It's just amazing the 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 depths of of Hashem's word, which is why we have the Aliyah day. Because uh, throughout the week, on average, we offer five, five and a half hours of, of teaching all together throughout the week here at Sarshalom Synagogue, and it's still uh, not enough. But that's okay. We learn every day. We grow every day. We uh, get inspired every day by Hashem's Word. So if you have the art school Chumash, uh, and by the way, welcome everybody. You're watching from across the Fruited Plain, all across the world. Glad you're here. Art school Chumash. Page 341, Parashah Bo. Parashah Bo is the Parashah of the Exodus, and it begins in chapter 10 and verse 1. So we are going uh, to read the first Aliyah, and then we will get to some commentary and see what we can glean. All right, here it is. Adonai said to Moses, come to Pharaoh. That's what it says. Come to Pharaoh. Bo is Hebrew for come. So uh, when you're talking to your wife and children or whatever, you say, Bo. Say they come. So you want them to come right now? It's Bo Akshav. Like come right now. Adonai said to Moses, Come to Pharaoh, for I've made his heart and the heart of his servants stubborn, so I can put these signs of mine in his midst. And so that you may relate in his ears and the ears of your sons and your sons' sons that I made a mockery of Egypt and my signs that I placed among them, that you may know that I am Adonai. So we're going to learn, <clears throat> we've been learning, that the miraculous signs are a indication that Hashem is Hashem, that he is the master over creation, which... Um, in our day and age, having having read the Bible, we, that's a kind of a no-brainer to us. Of course, he's the master of of um, of, of of nature. You have to understand, <clears throat> by the way. You know, some people say that they're very much against the quote oral Torah. They only want the written Torah. But at one point in time, the written Torah was the oral Torah. I mean, all one, at some point it was all, all oral, right? So at this day and age, there is no such thing as a written Torah. They're getting the Torah as it's going, as it's playing out. And so people did not realize 
that God was master over creation. They thought that creation kind of, you know, there was Mother Earth, uh, Father Time, and that it would play out on its own. They didn't realize that Hashem controlled it. Some of the ideas were that, you know, Hashem just kind of spun it into motion and then he just walked away. But that's not what happened. So verse 3 says, Moshe and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said to him, So says Adonai, the God of the Hebrews, Until when will you refuse to be humble before me? Send out my people that they may serve me. For if you refuse to send forth my people, behold, tomorrow, manana, I shall bring a locust swarm into your border. It will cover the surface of the earth so that one will not be able to see the earth and it will consume the remaining residue that was left to you by the hell and it will consume all the trees that grow for you from the field. They will fill your houses, the houses of your servants, the houses of all Egypt, such as your father and your grandfathers have not seen from the day they came into the earth until this very day. And he turned and left Pharaoh's presence. He didn't even wait at this point for Pharaoh uh, to respond because he already knew that Pharaoh had hardened his heart one too many times. And as a result, Hashem was now hardening the heart of Pharaoh. So, so Moshe didn't even wait for a response. He said, listen, there's a hell, uh, excuse me, there's a, a plague of locusts that's going to happen. And uh, that's what's going to happen and see you later. So it says, Pharaoh's servant said to him, how long will this be a snare for us? Now his own, his own advisors are turning on him and saying, listen, uh, you have to, we have to let these people go. This is ridiculous. This is killing us. He said, send out the men that they may serve Hashem their God. Do not, do you not yet know that Adonai, excuse me, that Egypt is lost? Like it's over. The battle is over. They've won. You don't realize it yet, but they've won. So he says the battle is over. So, so Moshe and Aaron were returned to Pharaoh. So they, they brought him back in. They went out and said, hey guys, wait, don't get into the cab yet. They came back and said, go and serve Adonai your God. Which ones are going? As I said, uh, I believe it was the 6th and 7th reading, last, the last Aliyah. Um, maybe the Aliyah before that, but... In any case, we find Pharaoh again negotiating with God. And again, we, do, we find ourselves doing this from time to time. Okay, God, I'll serve you, but here's, here's my conditions for serving you. I will serve you, but really, I, I really, I really like uh, my lifestyle, and so here's some aspects of my lifestyle that I don't really want to change. We negotiate with God. We, we try to create a religion that works for us. And that's what Pharaoh is doing. He's saying he's trying to negotiate. Okay, listen, I'll let you go. But listen, who's going to go? As if he didn't know. Moshe said, let my people go. He didn't say, you know, let some of them go. But so he's saying, which ones are going? Now Moshe says, with our youngsters and with our elders shall we go, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flock and with our cattle shall we go. Because it is a festival of Hashem for us. He's saying, listen, everybody's going to go. Our little kids, our teenagers, our preteens, the men, the women, the elderly. We're even going to take the gerbils and the ferrets. Everybody's going to go with us. Nobody's staying behind. 
But he said to them, So be Adonai with, uh, with you, as I will send you forth with your children. Look, the evil intent is opposite your faces, so now, not so. Let the men go now. Serve Adonai, for that is what you seek. And he drove them out from Pharaoh's presence. So he's still not relenting. That's the end of our, our reading. I want to share some insights, some thoughts anyway, from the Kehol Tumash. And, uh, that's right, Yara, Jewish gerbils. They're the cutest kind. So some insights from the Kehol Tumash for the uh, introduction to the parasha bow. This is called the parasha of the Exodus. So it says, as such, parasha bow is the parasha of of the, of the Exodus, not just because of the background, the buildup, or the aftermath of the Exodus, but the Exodus itself. So this is what this parasha is leading up to. Bo is come. Interesting, you know, it's interesting that the parasha of the Exodus is called come. One would think that the parasha of the Exodus would be called Bo, but instead it's come. So what is this, what is a, a, one of the underlying meanings? The underlying meanings is that is it that the, the exodus has a result, it has a destination. The son, who the son sets free is free indeed. So a lot of people, it, it, maybe even in their subconscious, they think that, that salvation is all about freedom, period. They don't understand that salvation is about a freedom that leads somewhere, a.k.a. observance. So, parasha, the parasha of the Exodus is known as the parasha to come. We are leaving in order to come, and a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't realize that. Oh, I know that intellectually we, we think, well, we were saved so that we could come to God. I left spiritual freedom, or excuse me, spiritual bondage, so I could come to God. But a lot of people don't realize that. They think that freedom just means you're free. You're free of your sins, so uh, mazalto. See you, uh, see you when you die. Just read the book of John. That's all you have to do. So it says here, the Zohar notes that God did not tell Moses to go to Pharaoh, but to come to Pharaoh. This is another interesting thing. It's like, um, it's interesting that, that this parasha that's about leaving Egypt, that the opening line is, go, or excuse me, come to Pharaoh. If we're leaving Egypt, then why is the parasha come to Pharaoh? It seems to put Pharaoh in the ultimate power seat. So it says here, according to the Zohar's interpretation, this does not say go to Pharaoh, but come to Pharaoh, meaning come with me to Pharaoh. In other words, God is saying to Moses, listen, you're not going to be able to defeat uh, evil. Pharaoh represents the embodiment, the incarnation of evil. You're not going to be able to do it. Why? Because salvation is found in no man. This is why the Mashiach can't be just a man. Because if the, if the Mashiach could have been just a man, then Moses could have done it. Then Adam could have done it. But uh, he's saying, look, you can't do it. I have to do it. So come with me. I want you to accompany me. That's what the Zohar is bringing down here. That This is, the, this is Hashem saying, come with me to Pharaoh. This was because beginning, it says, with the eighth plague, God set out to break Pharaoh himself. To destroy his power at its core. 
goes on to talk about that Pharaoh is the embodiment of evil, as I said, and that he represents everything, all the carnality. He represents all the materialism. He represents the bondage, the spiritual bondage. So it says here, the Exodus was the release from this oppressive and constructive and constricting rather philosophy and lifestyle in order to live a life dedicated to God. This is a this last phrase I very often emphasize when we talk about the the Exodus because it's the it's the part that people miss the most. Most people would realize <clears throat> that the Exodus from Egypt ultimately at least allegorically, is a spiritual exodus. That's what it's saying here in the introductory comments to Bo from the Kehotumash. The exodus was the release from this oppressive and constricting philosophy. What, what philosophy? The philosophy of materialism, the philosophy of self-indulgence, the philosophy of false, false religions, false deities, etc. It was a... It was a deliverance from this false, constricting philosophy and lifestyle. But here's the why. Remember how I'm always saying we, we forget the why so often. That's the what. What was the exodus? The exodus was a release from oppressive and constricting philosophies and lifestyles. That's the what. But here's the why. The why is in order to live a life dedicated to God's transcendent reality. That's the why. And that's the most important thing of all. The what is we were, we, were, we were set free spiritually. Great. How did that happen? By God's mighty hand and outstretched arm. But the most important thing is why did it happen? And the why is so that we could serve him. We could dedicate our life to his service. That is the point, my friends, where that people miss 99.9% of the time. They know what happened. They know how it happened. But most people don't know why it happened. In other words, what was the point? So the Exodus represents spiritual freedom. Now we went from the Exodus right to Sinai to receive the Torah, which we, we've spoken about at length. And we're going to continue to speak about it. So here's the correlation. Exodus is a spiritual freedom. Okay, so we left Egypt. Where did we go? We just, we just the chains were broken and he opened the front door and God said, well, the blood of the Lamb, you had faith. You went to your house. I passed over you. That was awesome. Now, the desert is before you. Go. <laughs> the promised land is that away. Uh, you know, we'll see you there. No. He took them right to Sinai for what reason? To get the Torah. So, therefore, in God's eyes, Torah equals spiritual freedom. The Exodus <coughs> equals spiritual freedom. And so does the Torah equal spiritual freedom. Now, the Exodus happened during Pesach, right? The receiving of the Torah happened during Shavuot. Those two festivals are connected. In fact, the Pesach is only the beginning of the end, which is Shavuot. In other words, Shavuot is the end of the Exodus. Did you hear that? According to Jewish, according to Jewish thought, according to biblical thought, which is the biblical thought and Jewish thought is one of the same. The end of the Pesach is the Exodus. You thought the end of the Pesach was, was the singing of the Hallel or, 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 or looking for Elijah. You thought that was the end. You thought the end of the, of the, of the Pesach 
was the, the final cup of praise. But no, the end of Pesach is Shavuot. There's an interesting comment to, to Rabbi Monk's commentary here about this. It says, because it is a festival for Hashem, they were telling Pharaoh. Why do we want to go out? Because it's a festival of Hashem. They weren't talking about Pesach. See, most people think that when they read that in the Torah, it's a festival of Hashem. They, th they think they're talking about Pesach. They're not. Because Pesach happens in Egypt, and as a result of the Pesach, the next day, we are released from Egypt. So where we're going, the place to which we're heading, is a, another festival. So it says here, this is not a reference to the festival of the Passover, which occurred while they were still in Egypt, but to the festival of Shavuot. That was to be celebrated at Mount Sinai on the 6th of Sivan, that is three months later. Now, if you read this, then you have to understand something that the Rambel brought down. And that is that Shavuot is the point of the Exodus. Okay? You could almost say that Shavuot is that to which the Exodus points. You know, there is a misquoted, misunderstood line in one of the letters of Paul where it says that Messiah is the end of the law. And that has been understood in a very blasphemous and heretical way for centuries to mean that Messiah was the point at which the, the law, that is the scripture, the word of God, God's holy word, God's holy writ, God's infallible word, came to an end. Of course, that's not what it means. The word in there can mean that thing to which it points. So that the Torah ultimately points to the Messiah. And the Messiah is the Torah. So in fact, the Torah is pointing to itself. So here we have the Pesach is pointing to, to Shavuot, saying that's the end. Now it's connected by the counting of the Omer, which is what? The 50-day count of the Omer. So therefore, Pesach is connected to Shavuot. Therefore, Shavuot is the 50th day of the counting of the Omer. 50 equals Jubilee. Therefore, Shavuot is all about freedom, which means the Torah is all about freedom. Therefore, the reality of life is, and it c catches people by surprise because they've been taught something different, but the reality of life is if you're not living a Torah life, then you are actually, according to the Bible, according to God's pattern, according to God's ways, you are living in spiritual bondage. You're living in spiritual bondage. One of the reasons I can say that is because there's only two kingdoms in the world. There's a kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness. Now, the kingdom of light is God's word, his covenant, his Torah, his law. And anything outside of that is a kingdom of darkness, no matter what it is. doesn't matter what it is. Call it whatever you want to call it. Anything outside of that is a kingdom of darkness. Why? Because there's, there's not a third kingdom. There's not a third option. There's not a, you know, you're either, you're either on offense or defense. There's no one sitting in the stands. Everybody's playing on the field. That's why Yeshua said, you're either for me or against me. He didn't give a third option, thinking about it. You're the water boy. No, he said, you're either for me or against me. Now, it says here, since the Egyptian exile is the prototype of all exiles, and the exodus is the precursor of the final redemption, 
The dynamic contained in the name of this parasha will be repeated at the end of the present exile as well. Now, this is an interesting comment that's being made here. Because it's saying that the exodus is a prototype for all, for the final redemption, right? And so this is going to be repeated. So what's interesting about the Kehotumat's comment I'm about to read here is that it's going to give us the main thing that is going to be repeated, which we're, what, that we're going to see just prior to the final redemption, maybe soon in our time. And that is what I'm, I'm going to borrow a quote from one of the apostolic letters, the fullness of the Gentiles. Now, there's been many, many ideas about what it means, the fullness of the Gentiles. Most people believe that it means that whenever the Gentiles uh, cease to trample underfoot the temple and and cease to be in a position of power and and what have you, and and I think to a certain extent there's there's merit to that understanding of the fullness of the Gentiles. But I'm going to present based on a pattern what the fullness of the Gentiles actually means in a more literal sense, and that that is this. It says here, and I'm going to quote from the Kale Tumash and see if you catch it. You're all, all brilliant students. See if you catch it. If you catch it, raise your hand. I'll see you. It says, before Pharaoh was crushed, God redeemed whatever good there was in Egypt. Non-Jews who wished to accompany the Jews were allowed to do so, and the Jews took with them an abundance of material wealth. Only when nothing was redeeming value remained in Egypt did God deal the crushing blow. So, and there's another insight that says that when God told Moses that everybody was supposed to go collect the wealth of the Egypt, all the Israelites went about collecting the wealth of the Egypt of Egypt. But Moses didn't do that. Moses went door to door, inviting Egyptians and other peoples who happened to be living there to join the Jewish nation. In other words, he went around seeking converts. Why? Because in Moses' mind, and remember that Moses here represents the Mashiach, he represents the Redeemer. In Moses' mind, the wealth of Egypt was not the silver and gold and diamonds and rubies. The wealth of Egypt was the non-Jewish holy sparks that needed to become Jews. <laughs> so the fullness of the Gentiles, in this, from this point of view, means that when all of the Gentiles who were willing to join the Jewish people and become converts to the covenant, when all of them were extracted from Egypt, then the redemption came. Which, my friends, is a large part of the why to Lapid Judaism. Lapid Judaism ultimately is about, hey, we want to live the life that Yeshua actually lived. Not the life that Constantine lived. Not the life that the, the, the Gentile pagans in Ephesus lived. We want to live the life that Yeshua lived. The religion that he lived. Not the religion that was created 400 years, some odd years later, 300 years later. But another why is that according to the Bible, that the end times will be made manifest 
when the nations convert, when the nations embrace the Torah, when the nations, according to Isaiah, embrace the, the Sabbath. That's what's going to happen. Not when, they, not when the Jews embrace a foreign religion, but when the, and, and therefore convert to a, a foreign religion, but when the nations convert to Torah true Judaism in Yeshua HaMashiach. That's the truth. That's the reality. And no matter what you think about it, agree, disagree, that's, that's coming to a theater near you. That's what's happening. That's, what, that's the end result. So Parashabo, here's another insight from uh, the Gutnik Humash. That's right, Shoshana, this is the good news. Parashabo, here's what it says in the Gutnik Humash. Bo means come. As in the verse, come to Pharaoh. This is, I'm just reading verbatim here from the, uh, from the Gutnik. It says, but why is the parasha in which the Jews crush Egypt and leave it known as come to Pharaoh, a statement which expresses the might of Pharaoh in Egypt. It says, this teaches us a lesson. Some people think that to solve the problems in their religions and spiritual lives, they need to do more good and more good and more good. This was the beginning theme of yesterday's drosh. If you didn't see yesterday's drosh, you need to go see it immediately after this. It says, the truth is, however, that in addition to doing more good, a person also has to eradicate the bad. And not just bad in general, but bad that must be crushed at its roots so that it does not grow back. Therefore, God told Moses to come to Pharaoh in his palace where he resides in all his glory. Moses was told to seek out the evil of Egypt at its root and then to crush it and, humili and humiliate it to the extreme. And only then would the exodus occur. So in his daily life, this means that a person should try to identify the primary desire which burns in his heart the root of his personal evil, and launch an attack that will drive that desire away with full force. When he succeeds in this mission, he will then find his other personal struggles follow, follow effortlessly in its wake. I also want to point out that it's interesting that the parashah bow, which is the parashah of the exodus, the parashah of the lamb, the parashah of the redemption, happens to be the third parasha of the book of Shemot, corresponding to the third day, such as on the third day he was raised from the dead and we experienced redemption. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that interesting that the parasha that talks about this is just happens to be the third parasha of our exodus? I also want to point out something else that I've talked about at great length, and that is the importance of children's education, the importance of reaching our children. Everybody should be enthusiastic about that. Everybody should support it. If you have any inkling of gifting towards children's ministry, like being a teacher, you should, you should do that. It says here, talking about when Pharaoh says, which ones will go? Pharaoh was suggesting, why don't you just take the older people, take the uh, senior citizens. It'd be like a fun trip. They can get on a bus. They can go. There's a casino between here and Sinai. But Moses actually said, no, I want to take everybody. And it says he actually mentions, intentionally mentions the children first. 
And it says, to him, the education of the younger generation was an essential element in the service, even taking precedent over the role played by the parents. Moses knew how important it was to educate the children. And by the way, the Satan, the enemy of our souls, knows this all too well as, as is, is, is taught. And Rabbi Monk here brings down a, uh, a terrible story. But this illustrates how the devil knows how important the education of the young children are. So he says, Pharaoh's policy was followed more than once by those who persecuted Israel. Pharaoh wanted to keep the kids. Take the older people, who cares? Keep the kids. So it says, after their expulsion from Spain, 80,000 Jews sought refuge in Portugal, trusting in the promise of the king. But the Spanish church instigated the Portuguese to sign a decree which surpassed in cruelty the harshness of that of Queen Isabella of Spain. He insisted that all adult Jews be banished from Portugal, but that every child below 14 years of age remain behind to be brought up in the Christian faith. And it goes on to explain how this is what began to lead towards the breakdown of the Jewish society. See, the enemy knew how important how important it was to reach the children. So he had the king of Portugal instigate a decree that would banish the adult Jews, but every child would remain behind so that they could be separated. This is why we have to spend so much time and effort and energy and finances to make sure that we continue educating our children about Yeshua and the path of Torah. May God help us to do so. End of our Aliyah today. We are out of time, but not out of content. There's a lot more to share, and we will be back tomorrow with God's help to, for the second Aliyah of Parashah Bo. It's going to be exciting. This is a great week. There's lots of wonderful things to share, so be sure and be here. Until then, have a great, amazing, wonderful, and joy-filled day. May this be a week of blessing and good news for you in the merit of Messiah Yeshua. Shalom and blessings.